0: This is episode 312 of the AWS podcast, released on May 12th, 2019.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Leisha here with you. Great to have you back and I'm joined by not one but two special guests today. Firstly, I'm joined by Maggie Carter, who's principal of the AWS Disaster Response Program. Welcome to the podcast, Maggie.
2: Thank you, Simon. Pleasure
1: to be here. Great to have you on board. And another person who is not unknown to the podcast and is quite important to the podcast but has moved on to a different role. We're joined by Anna Visnesky, who's the now the Principal Technical Program Manager for the Atabist Disaster Response Program. G'day, Anna. How are you going?
0: Hi, Simon. It's a little strange to be on this side of the mic for your program, but hey, you know, get used
1: to it. Whatever works. Now, And now Anna has, has really gone beyond the call of duty because she's doing this call from Hawaii where she has gone from for business purposes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough job, but someone has to do it. And um, we'll, we'll get to the reasons why. But Maggie, let's start with yourself. Uh, this is a program that, that you've been intimately involved with, with from the very start. And so maybe let's... Let's talk about, before we talk about what the AWS Disaster Response Program is, let's talk about why it is.
2: In a very Amazonian fashion, we work backwards from the customer need. And here at AWS, our leadership, Andy Jassy and Teresa Carlson, identified that our customers were in need of AWS support around hurricane sandy when it hit the northeast of the united states and we had a real opportunity to identify how our customers could best leverage our technology and our partner network in order to better prepare and respond to disasters
1: it's really interesting so this came out of the thought process of when when stuff goes really really bad how can we help and and i guess the thing is it's it's often after things go bad we think about how can we help and it's kind of too late you got to plan for the worst kind of thing. So this sounds like this program's focused on that.
2: Yeah, it's it's focusing on how to mitigate risk, how to respond quicker and in order to help communities and our customers be more resilient in times of disasters. So really trying to leverage those resources and help our customers bounce back much faster.
1: So what are some of the things that that jump to mind both, I guess, immediately, during and and immediately after a disaster and also for the reconstruction phase? Because I'm sure when when we all see disasters happening, hopefully on TV screen rather than in our own backyard, Mm. we're usually thinking about, Mm -hmm. can I donate money? Do they need water and blankets Mm -hmm. and those types of things? Mm -hmm. But but they're not thinking, we need cloud technology and we need it now. Um, (laughs) So how how does it fit in?
2: Yeah, you're spot on. So some of the critical needs in disasters are food, water, shelter, access to healthcare. But some of the other critical needs are communications, right? Access to data, analytics, et cetera. And that's where AWS and cloud technology and some of our partners really come to play.
1: It's a really interesting thing. And let's maybe switch across, Anna, to you because you are ex Coast Guard. Uh, You've done some pretty interesting things in your life and you're a, a long-term Amazonian as well. And this is something you've taken up recently to be part of this particular program. What appealed to you and what are you actually doing?
0: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. It really did appeal to uh, my background. I did 11 years in the U.S. Coast Guard, and while I was in the Coast Guard, um, I got to see firsthand from Hurricane Katrina basically all the way through to, like, Deepwater Horizon and Sandy, this need for— technology in the field. And one of the biggest things is being able to communicate. As you can imagine, when there's a hurricane or an earthquake, communication infrastructure goes down, power infrastructure goes down. And in those first few hours after a storm and those first few days to a week after a big event, um, rescuing lives is critical. And the technology to do that has been evolving over time but not as fast as AWS could help it evolve. So when I heard about Maggie and her team, I got super excited because I remember during Hurricane Katrina teaching people how to use text messaging as opposed to trying to make calls. Uh, it was as weird as it sounds. It wasn't something that they thought about. They were trying to send emails instead of texts. And over time, as things have changed, it's uh, it's been really great to see. And I'm super excited about continuing that mission of using technology to improve disaster response with this team.
1: And, and we've spoken about a few kind of reference cases that are, that are quite US-centric. However, this is a program that that is really aimed at dealing with a, a global audience, isn't
0: it? It absolutely is. Um, for example, I will be, um, if anyone wants to come say hi, I'm going to be in Japan during the Tokyo Summit, where we're going to be talking to uh customers in Tokyo, because as you, as you know, they have a high earthquake risk. Um, so yeah, this is a program that we've been going around the world with. Um, some of our team has already been to South America doing demos and talking to people there as well. Um, so basically it is global because disasters don't really care about borders.
1: So Maggie, let me come back to you because you've been involved in a number of these, uh, disasters and and the the post uh, elements of those, what what can we actually do? What have we done to help in those situations?
2: You know, I came on board almost two years ago here at AWS. And, you know, in 2017, we had quite a hectic disaster or hurricane season uh, with hurricanes, Harvey, Irma, Maria, and then two earthquakes in Mexico kind of back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Um, and we were still in the research phase for the program, uh, building out, you know, working backwards on the customer need and really identifying what what assets we could bring to bear to help support their efforts. Um, and we were scrappy, you know, and we quickly stood up um, a virtual call center for the American Red Cross and provided 100 customer service agents to serve as uh, call center volunteers to help support their efforts. And that was uh, that was our first, you know, real activation, leveraging our technology and supporting our customers. And since then, we publicly launched the AWS Disaster Response Program in 2018. And we have, again, we've more systematized or programatized the Amazon Connect call center experience and leveraging that virtual call center to help scale the volume that organizations like the American Red Cross will experience during those uh, demanding times. And we've also worked with customers, as Anna's referenced in South America and elsewhere, uh, deployed a snowball edge where there was potential for a a loss of their on-prem data Um, when they were in a disaster zone. uh, We were able to get the device to them and they quickly transferred their data via Snowball Edge to S3. And then we've also worked with a customer to build out a, a resiliency plan with a Caribbean island where they stored a backup of their data locally and then also on AWS in the cloud should their island be wiped out by a catastrophic hurricane. So those are a few examples of, of some of the work that we've done. And we've been doing quite a bit more in machine learning and geospatial data analysis, both in the cloud and at the edge.
1: So it's, it's really interesting. And I think, Anna, let's come to you as the the principal technical program manager, because this is a classic case of we kind of got from our customers some, some need. Uh, and, and that need was maybe unmet and, and not well understood on our behalf as well. And so we sort of did a few things, found some benefit, and then got some feedback from customers. And that's kind of where you start to come in and say, well, what does this look like from a programmatic response? What are all the other things we can do? I mean, I, you know, immediately in my mind, I'm thinking heat-seeking drones and all that sort of stuff that you, you know, we know what's possible. <laughs> but but yeah. what are you seeing in terms of the, the, the scope of the program and the things that we can bring to bear from a technology perspective?
0: I've spent more time researching drone regulations since joining the team than I ever thought was possible. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the drone aspect is great, but there are so many tools AWS has that we can use moving forward. And the future of this program, I think, is what has me the most excited. I mean, um, someone recently on a with a deep lens challenge found a way to identify breeds of dogs using a deep lens. Well, let's take that a step further and think about using machine learning to help people who've lost their pet during a hurricane find them again. You have shelters taking images of dogs, you have people with pictures of their dogs. Just ask me and I can show you about 100 on my phone. <laughs> and, uh, and imagine being able to load those two into a bucket and be able to compare them and be able to tell them with some reasonable certainty what shelter might have their, their beloved pet. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a near and dear one to me because uh, one of my dogs was a hurricane rescue. Um, but you can also take that a step further. Um, we're working on a solution that would allow a drone to identify things like a group of people on a rooftop, uh, vehicles, things like that. Because um, when you have pilots in the air following a hurricane or a disaster, pilots have a natural fatigue rate, at which point they are no longer as efficient or effective finding people. But if we could get, Thank yeah. UAVs, drones up fast enough to be able to identify the high probability areas of where a person might be or where a heavily hit area was or where there is fire or any other sort of um, incident, we can actually minimize pilot fatigue and increase their accuracy and hopefully increase search rates. So it's just kind of a really good example of you know using machine learning to identify this is a car, this is a group of people on a rooftop, um, having been one of the people looking for for someone on a rooftop it's it's very hard to see but drones can go lower and faster than than a helicopter can so that's a great example of one way to do it We've also been talking to Esri and a few others about great mapping resources so that maps can be actually updated. Anytime there's a disaster, there's what they call a common operating picture. And all of that information is being fed in from a lot of different resources. For example, it might be the Coast Guard or FEMA or a local person trying to send a a picture in by their phone, or it's the National Guard who's come in. And all of this information needs a place to flow, and what we're hoping to do is provide a way to not only have that data come in but use machine learning to help identify that data to help responders you know another great application is you have responders coming in from all over the world when there's something like an earthquake in japan but not everyone speaks japanese amazon has the capability using translate and transcribe and text track to actually start helping with those language barriers and with the transition of literally the information coming in from the field. so there's, there's some great applications there that moving forward I think are going to be really great to work with and can really help first responders who are boots on the ground
1: yeah it's it's interesting as you kind of uh, work through the 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 life cycle, if you like of a disaster and you think about that at those early stages, a lot of responders will talk about that need for situational awareness. you know they want lots of information but they want it in a uh, in a absorbable way and in an actionable way, and then there's also a lot of risk. At the same time, you, you talked about you know finding folks on roofs, etc. We've all seen the harrowing footage of various very brave helicopter pilots trying to rescue folks. Uh, it'd be better if that's all they were doing, not just patrolling around in very hazardous situations. So being able to find that information really helps.
0: You're right. And at the same time, I'd also like to put out the caution that this doesn't mean everyone should just be trying to get a drone that does machine learning. There's actually rules and regulations that that, I, that part of my job is working very carefully with um, like DHS and, and the Coast Guard and things to make sure that the drones that are being flown in those areas are flown safely. So it's not just making sure we have the machine learning. It's also putting the agreements and the processes in place so that we're not actually putting more lives at risk by having you know, unauthorized drones flying through a disaster area. So I have to put that caution out there that, yeah, we're going to, we're working on using drones, but this isn't necessarily something anyone can do um, because we want to make sure everyone's safe. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a fantastic application. And, you know, and one of the things we talk about a lot is called the last mile and the last mile is basically you have all this great information. How the heck do you get it back to the operating center? How do you get it to the command when, There's no infrastructure, there's no Wi-Fi, there's no... So one of the other things that's fantastic about a snowball is it allows you, with the Snowball Edge, you can do a lot of that computing and a lot of that analysis right where you're at, but we're working with partners to also extend that last miles to make it easier to get the information back to a centralized location. And then obviously, the other nice thing about a Snowball Edge is that you can pick it up, take it back with you, and input all the data that way as well, so... So what, handy.
1: So what's it likely to look like in in the event of a, an emergency taking place? Is it uh, you know re- response response roles and devices are delivered or is it more things are spun up back at home base? what's What's the current thinking or you know, is there a variety of solutions here?
0: So that, there's a variety, and it'll depend on every disaster is different. For example, floods tend to happen, they happen fast, but they tend to expand slowly. So getting assets in place for that is a little bit different. Um, hurricanes, you have a tendency to know they're coming. You might not necessarily know exactly where they're going to hit, but technology now allows us to have at least a week window of, okay, we know it's coming in in this direction. But like an earthquake, you get some early warning, but we're not talking like two weeks early. Early warning—it you might get an hour, you know. There, so, so each case is going to be different. So, what's important that Maggie, uh, our other team member, Clark, and I work on is this idea of making sure we have these solutions ready and we have the right customers already in place that um, that they have access to these devices or these solutions early, so that because by the time the earthquake hits, it's too late. Another nice thing about AWS is obviously that we're all over the world, which means that. Even if we build the solution here, it can be loaded on a snowball edge that's already pre-staged in Japan or things like that. So so we are working on how to make sure the infrastructure supports as best as possible. But we also have to acknowledge that every disaster is a little bit different. So the way we apply the technology will probably shift with the type of disaster that it is.
1: And Maggie, it's interesting as we talk about this, you sort of start to think about that that human factor, that need to we bringing loved ones back together pets back together to to connect the right people with the right uh, recovery resources even the, the care and tracking of, uh, as Anna mentioned, people who have come from overseas to help service uh, manpower or person power requirements around disasters. I know from the Australian experience, often because our seasons are different to in the US, uh, often when we have very bad uh, bushfires, we'll have a lot of people from the US and Canada will come across and vice versa when it's our winter and your summer and there's those big California wildfires, often a lot of Australians come across, et cetera. Those people need to be tracked and maintained and provided for, et cetera. This is it's a non-trivial task, isn't it?
2: Yes, they are important and non-trivial tasks, as you said. And we're experiencing on our end in terms of you know, tracking employees, we're deploying employees into the field as well. And so we're, again, working backwards, learning from that experience. They're deployed hand-in-hand with some of our customers who are responding on the ground. And we're learning firsthand what the customer's needs are. And getting that in feedback loop from our disaster response action team members that have been deployed with those customers after an incident has occurred.
1: And what's the response been from various agencies that you've dealt with globally around this initiative and, and how it fits into their overall plans?
2: Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a mix, right? Um, it's something that's new and it's different for AWS. And so there's a lot of excitement And then some, I don't know if it's curiosity as to what we can do and what the opportunities are. And so I think there's a lot more excitement than anything about, you know, the art of possible in the AWS disaster response program and how leveraging AWS in the cloud can help facilitate their response and recovery efforts.
1: And Anna, you're doing a bit of a sort of global listen and learn and discovery and investigate tool, which is which is fantastic. How can people reach out to you and, and maybe suggest locations you might want to uh, investigate further or, or groups that might want to take advantage of this particular program?
0: If you look up AWS disaster response, there's a page and it does have contact the team on there. You can always reach me on my my work Twitter account, which is hard to spell, but it's uh, at AC Vizneski. Uh, I'm always available there if if people have suggestions and want to pipe up there. Uh, they could pester you, and you could come find me. Uh, <laughs> you know how to find me. Uh, but there's there's a number of ways, and then there's our webpage with contact. And then we
2: also have an email, aws-drp at amazon.com
1: multiple ways to find people and also uh, obviously you'll be traveling around to various summits and other events to make sure that you're you're on the ground speaking with people because it's really about the finding the, the ground truth, isn't it, Anna?
0: It is um, because at the end of the day, like having been – What we call boots on the ground with disasters gives you a different perspective, but every region is so different, not just in the way the disaster will physically hit the area, but the way people respond to it and their level of need and their level of infrastructure and the agreements they might already have in place. So it's important to know each region and what they need, because you can't build a one fits all solution for disaster response. I will be in London for the London Summit, uh, meeting customers and talking to to them. And then I will also be at Tokyo Summit to meet and talk with customers there as well.
2: And And then we also have the DC Public Sector Summit where we'll have a booth space or a kiosk space and a session.
1: So great. Many opportunities for people to interact and to contribute and learn more about the program.
0: Yeah, what's cool yes. about the one in in DC, Simon, is that they're going to actually have some of the the stuff that we're working with. We're going to have uh, one of the cameras that does recognition of objects uh, on display there. So we'll have we'll have some pretty cool stuff uh, at the at the summit there. And Maggie and Clark from from the disaster response team will be will be in DC for that.
1: Fantastic, great chance to connect. And thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Oh, you're very welcome.
1: And Maggie, great initiative and really kudos to you for really championing this. And uh, look forward to seeing the, the progress and having you back again.
2: Thank you, Simon. It's been a pleasure.
1: And thanks, everyone, for listening. we do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.